welcome to We Do, the officially unofficial podcast for Watchmen on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're here to talk about season one, episode eight, titled A God Walks Into A Bar. Cal, AX, Cal, A Bar. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and. Uh, what do you think of this episode? I, it's it's an amazing <laughs> episode. It's one of my apps. Like if you're just talking about singular episodes of television, it's one of my favorite ones because <laughs> I feel like this is where this entire season kind of came together and revealed itself in all of its glory. And I think there's a lot of glory to reveal. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the only thing that's kind of amazing is like how little television we have left to resolve some big things but like i'm more confident than ever that thou those things will all come together in a pretty satisfying way yeah um and i'm you know even though you know that's the other thing is as i was watching this the the a second time i was kind of chuckling about how like people were um you know, really kind of crowing over figuring out the Dr. Manhattan reveal, like that it's like that that's actually Cal. Like the the that knuckle was, fingers, the, the knuckle. Yeah, like that was stuff. like that. That was the trick the show had like, oh, you're done. We, we we looked behind the curtain and we saw the man pulling the levers and you're you're fucking saddled man, Damon Lindelof. <laughs> and then he flops this episode out. And yeah, you know, it's uh it's amazing that the show could survive such a big reveal being kind of ruined so early because it had been, you know, by, by a lot of things. And but it's just like that was, you know, that's that was like the I don't know. It's it's like no one no one a what, but you don't know the the why or the how. And those are the really interesting questions. And mm-hmm. I think Lindelof uh, really did a masterful job of, of, of demonstrating the difference between knowing what and, and the how and the why. They always are. Those are the interesting questions. Uh, why don't we get into the episode? We, we see um, on Vivian Day 10 years ago, Dr. Manhattan walks into the bar where Angela is commemorating the anniversary of her parents' death and asks her to dinner tomorrow night. And Dr. Manhattan tells her that he's Dr. Manhattan. She's super skeptical. And then this episode-long conversation ensues, and this is a really hard episode to recap because a recap is linear. No, it's easy. And this I'm episode, do it for you. okay, go for it. Uh, Doctor Manhattan uh, uh, asks a, a woman to, to have dinner with them, and she accepts. Episode recapped. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and and he also does a few other things, but. We'll get there, but that's that's the that's that's what happens in this episode. Um, I mean, it is, yeah. It's that that's essentially the crux of it. Um, at least ten years ago. Did you know before? I guess we get started that this bar that's called Eddie's Bar mm-hmm. is is intended to be the actual bar that uh, mm-hmm. the comedian shot the mother of his child, unborn child, in. Why Why do you say it was intended to be that? Did Lindelof? Or, I, or somebody. I, I, I read uh, there was an interview with the director where they like first of all there's some people that like um, were speculating it because of the name of the bar and it's location okay, sure the, the Vietnam, name is yeah like Edward Blake yeah. um, but the the director said that they intended it to be like you know okay. that that bar was like more in um, uh, a, a, a smaller part of the town and like the like everything had built up around it and that's now called Eddie's Bar to kind of like you know and there was a whole bunch of um, set dressing in that bar that was reminiscent of the bar in the comic books mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think it changes I don't think it I don't think it matters it's just that I think it that, that they they did intend 
that. I, Man, that's kind of crazy that a bar could survive 20 years through like a uh, uh, changing of the guard here, right? Like you go from a from a country to a state uh, and somehow that unrest doesn't it result in the end of your bar. Well, I guess <laughs> Pretty the, lucky that's bar. the other thing is like, um, didn't he do that at the end of the war? Like essentially like this, this, uh-huh. this, so like yeah. the, the, the upheaval was probably, I guess, well, other than, you know, suicide bombers and whatnot. Um, <laughs> yeah. But also, I, I also like the, the mural that has been repeatedly defaced and repaired. Like you can see how they painted over the blood on his hands from the last episode and huh. they painted across nice. the murder and, and the, you know, the person's are fixing it. It's kind of like, it reminds me of that picture of the old lady to try to fix the picture of Jesus. Have you seen that one? Where she tried to restore this like medieval picture of of Jesus that her church had, and she just used like fucking acrylic paint, oh, and God. she's not an artist, and <laughs> just fucking ruined it. And there's nice. a lot of that. Like you see, like the way Manhattan is done, and the mural is like one particular art, art style, and then some just unskilled person slaps some blue over some graffiti, and hmm. and it's kind of ruined it. And I don't know what they're suggesting there, except for I don't know. Manhattan's got a big yellow dick. Yeah, that's false. Well, it could be. That that dick could be any color he wants. I mean, I that's one thing. It can make it. It can be any color that he wants it to be. Mm -hmm. Fuchsia. Uh, Yeah, name some other colors. Uh, Orange. Uh huh. Verdant green. Hmm. Forest green. Forest green. Hunter green. Racing green. Damn. Candy apple red. (laughs) Is the preferred. That would be Manhattan dog. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So much faster. Uh, okay, I, another thing we learn in this scene when he's talking with Angela is that this stuff that's happening with him on Mars is some kind of pre-recorded event thing that's happening over and over again. Is he? But is it? Is he orchestrating it? Or I think so. The way they wor- I think the implication is yes, he is. Yeah, but the way the way he words it, I thought that there was yeah. room to suggest that like this is a phenomenon that I've observed happening, um, mm-hmm. and it it just is. Like he's not taking credit for it. Could be. I interpreted it the other way that he was. I yeah. I doing think it. it's, I think either one could be fair by the letter of what he said. Which that strikes me as a plan. Mm-hmm. Does Dr. Manhattan have a plan? Uh, or, or I guess the question is, yeah, yeah, that's present tense. I'm going to yeah. try and say, you know, it's it's 2019, he has a plan. It is weird. I mean, it, it is and isn't weird to say that Dr. Manhattan has a plan because obviously mm-hmm. for him to do anything, he has to think of something and do it. Yeah. Um, just because it's always, and that, but that's where, the, that's where my brain breaks. It's like, okay, right. well, yeah, like, um, even if he just wanted to sit and sit Indian style on Mars for the rest of the heat until the heat death of the universe, that's still a decision he made and it's something he was always going to make, but he still had to make it. To, yeah. 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 So it seems like there is some plan afoot here mm-hmm. in, in terms that we would understand as human beings. Uh, we just don't quite know what it is yet. The conversation continues here and we're shown um, how Dr. Manhattan created life on Europa he tells Angela the story of his childhood, which um, includes a manor and his first encounter with what he calls love. Uh, and then the young, the young John Osterman is caught peeping on the manor's owners, and they give him a sex talk and a Bible, two things that should never be uh, given in combination. And the owners, uh, we find out, are the people who are Mr. Phillips and Miss Crookshanks are modeled after. The, 
Did you see that the sci-fi blog confirmed that this drawing of Adam and Eve was actually done by Dave Gibbons, the illustrator of the original huh. uh, no, Watchmen I, series? I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool touch. Um, but yeah, to where he also got like in, so, so he got the, his love for like vivariums um, mm -hmm. from there because uh, this 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 manor home had one like one of these plants in a bottle type of situations. Um, and that was kind of hinted, you know, that they, they, they've been dropping seeds for that. Like, as I remember episode two or three, one of the PD files dropped David Latimer, which is this guy who's created a self-contained, um, like one of these things. I, I forget what the exact, it's, it's not terrarium. One of them is like a fully enclosed thing. He's got this bottle that's been yeah. fully enclosed for like 50 years with like, you know, some kind of. It's called vegetation in it. Or I've seen the movie. Your biosphere. Maybe that's what it is. It's like an mm -hmm. artificial biosphere. But um, I, so. I I I thought that was that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, there are a lot of inspirations here, right? Like he he sees this this biodome. He sees um, he he. There's something tied up with the apple and the tomato apple tree. Like yes, I, I can't quite suss out what they're getting at with like him creating a paradise, a garden of Eden for yeah. these people on Europa. Yeah. And changing the apples to tomatoes. That's the uh, not the fruit of uh, the the knowledge of good and bad. Right. Like he's he's wanting to try to to create this paradise where mm -hmm. everybody you know uh, cares more for each other. He ends up creating his own hell essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but but free will is like a huge question here, and it even ties back to his father. They they sort of paint John Osterman or sorry Hans Hans Osterman. I don't know what his father's name is. John's father. Um, they paint him as a man who is attempting to exert some sort of free will over his life because right. he's a fugitive from his own country. Uh, he's being sort of just handheld through the process of getting to the new world. And he. They, they say that he makes these watches, he fixes these watches to exert some kind of control right. over his life. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's interesting that, you know, he that John so spectacularly fails to create something with free will, even though he's the watchmaker's son. It, it sort of tells you about a state of the universe that is frightening to us. Right, and it's, it's also funny, like in a deterministic universe, the idea that you try to, create, to do anything to exert control when there's yeah. absolutely no control that you have. And I like, feel like that's people like looking at the 7K canon and going, I need to fix watches. <laughs> right mm -hmm. like yeah. i need to fix watches because this i can't get my head around this yeah no i, I uh, and i, I feel you i i understand that uh do you do we have any this is this is a weird experience he has with this couple mm -hmm. is there did you get anything more in sec subsequent watches of like why this happened or why like what were they were trying to do or why have this bizarre reaction this kid catching you having sex I think this is just one of those things that it happened and it influenced his life. Yeah. I, I don't think the why is necessarily there yet. Okay. And how would he know he was just a kid when he experienced it? So like right. they're like what they were thinking is, you know, like, and it did say the thing is like, is there an idea that maybe he's a little bit of an unreliable narrator? Cause he wasn't Dr. Manhattan at that time. He's just Certainly. a human and he was a very young human yeah. been through a lot of stuff. Like I, I, I don't know doesn't really matter but like it was such a bizarre i'm trying to think it's like why and and also it's there's so many bizarre things about this episode and it was all touching on this manner stuff like everything that happened mm -hmm. in the post-credit sequence i think is is coco nuts and 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 very interesting <laughs> intriguing and cool this scene was also very weird also 
Dr. Manhattan teleported this estate away, but it was completely unremarked upon by anyone. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, th- I don't remember reading a PDF file about that. I don't remember, like, why he just, he just, he just teleported a castle from what the UK probably to another planet, and there's no, there, no, no one remarked upon that. Yeah. I guess maybe there were bigger things because it happened what 1985 after the squeeze yes yes so like especially since dr manhattan was on camera this these weird recordings of building and unbuilding this castle repeatedly like uh, yeah yeah i think it's weird in universe that that wasn't remarked upon yeah uh, maybe they had squids on their mind yeah it could be uh i was thinking about it dr manhattan yes or no polyamorous by definition sure because he would simultaneously be in love with Lori blake yes and also angela yes he absolutely okay. would be polyamorous yeah i mean just by the, the nature i, I would of think any being time. yeah any being like him would have to be uh-huh. uh unless i guess you have one love <laughs> your entire existence and then I mean, he could. Sure. I mean, that's he could. Uh, he could experience simultaneously all the times he's nutted in his entire life, from the very first time <laughs> oh, he pulled the pud to like? the the, t- the 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 time right before he got vaporized by the seventh cavalry. Like he has a remarkable. It's like the the Highlander of 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 orgasms. And his face wouldn't fucking change. Like he'd be experiencing. I mean, he is experiencing <laughs> that all the time, right? I don't know. He but was really enjoying balanced. what Angela's putting on him on in the, that bed. It seemed like. I mean, that's even though his on. mind was elsewhere, his body was was where it was. Angela's putting it on him. He's putting it on for her. Like, <laughs> c- come on. Dr. Manhattan is being torn apart at atomic level. I think Angela's at every... being torn apart by an atomic <laughs> level. Did you see that thing? I mean, like, you know. But every second of every day, he's an extraordinary pain. Uh-huh. Yeah, and no, yet his yeah. face never changes. So he's, he's, it's almost like he's a hell, clearly faking it. It's almost like a Hellraiser type of situation. Like the yeah. the most exquisite agony and and the the heights of pleasure he can experience simultaneously. And, and it totally explains why his demeanor is the way he is. Yeah, because How do there, you there's that? no fear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's no anxiety over anything. There's no happiness because it is just what it is. Mm-hmm. And you know whether he's being ripped apart or he's doing the ripping uh both of those are equivalent to him also does so so he experiences this this unbroken like we'll go with your theory because it's simpler he's got this unbroken continuum of existence uh that began when he was alive mm-hmm. what happens when dr manhattan dies can he rewind is he still somewhere in time that he can go backwards and forwards and experience that simultaneously or like i assume no like you said, his his experiences localized to him, right? Like because there's no consciousness left to like like once he gets to that end of the time, once he runs out of time, there's no consciousness left to pull the book off the shelf and look at it. Yeah, that's a weird. I would think so. That's weird for me to think about as well. I mean, time doesn't end because he ends. He just his ability to perceive time. Huh. Ends but while he's he alive, ends. he occupies all points of time, his own time that's simultaneously. Hmm, yeah, interesting. I mean, you're right. That's 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 logical. It just is weird. Another weird thing about Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, for sure. Uh huh. Uh, so where do we go from here? I don't know. If we come back to the conversation. Angela tells him he has a fantastic imagination, which he finds hilarious. Um, that, you know, in Doctor Manhattan terms, he goes, huh, "That's mm-hmm. hilarious to him." Right? Mm-hmm. The funniest thing he's ever heard. Right. Um, 
there's a scene where they're attempting to explain how they're going to be seen together in public if they go on this date and they have this relationship for 10 years. Um, and that sort of leads into uh, the scene where Angela and Dr. Manhattan pick out a deceased person for him to mimic. Yeah. And it's Cal, obviously. I think it's an interesting the choice of bodies there because like in one of the things the modern racist does to say that they're not racist because like, you know, like a lot of modern racism, um, it stems from this like concept of race realism, which is just, you know, it goes back to this kind of like the bell curve theory that like there are innate differences and in the, the uh, average intelligence amongst the races. And the reason that like these, these white supremacists say they're not actually racist is because well, by our own scientific measure, we think Asians are superior. Like, you know, like the, the Asians are um, on, on ahead of the bell curve of whites and every other race is, is behind them. Um, I thought it was interesting that like Angela offered him an array of like white and Asian bodies to choose from. Mm-hmm. And like the, the black body was, it was like, the one she's most comfortable. Once she's most comfortable, it was like, I yeah. wouldn't, she, she didn't even suggest it to this, this, the uh, formerly white guy. I thought that's certainly part of the social commentary they're going for there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what, so I, this, this point, cause you maintained, I think throughout most of our live watch when we were talking that you thought that, uh, his voice didn't change from when he went from Dr. Manhattan to, to Cal. And I, I thought I, I thought it was unmistakable. There was not only like a tonal, but inflection is clearly the same actor, but yeah. he was doing a performance of Dr. Manhattan that changed when he became Cal. And I thought, uh, uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen was just kind of killing it on all the different levels of, of, mm-hmm. of being Dr. Manhattan. Um, when you watched it again, did you, do you, you still feel that way that there wasn't, I mean, I don't think his voice changed much. Uh-huh. There's a slight change. Sure. What do you think Dr. Manhattan looked like when he took off his mask? Do you think he looked like Cal, or do you think he looked more like Billy Crudup, or did he look more like uh, the illustration of Dr. Manhattan in the comics? Because I, I think I it's know. the latter. He, la- the he latter. had a generic face that we're not meant to know, obviously. So, like, the question is pointless, um, they Fair don't. Enough. They don't show us his face for a reason. They're, they're definitely. They're, they want to, in contrast to what they did with Will Reeves, they want to very much say that they're not retconning Doctor Manhattan's appearance. Okay. Um, yeah. Or or making it impossible to tell whether they are or not, which is in a, in a sense not retconning it. Sure. So. Um, there's this line in here that says, "I'm going to forget so much more," but that's conversation for another time. And I mm-hmm. assume he's referring to the. The 10 years that he spends? I think so, yeah. Okay. The, the, the he already knows the sacrifice he's going to make for her. Yeah. Um, so then Dr. Manhattan claims, hey, we're going to be together for 10 years, and it's going to end tragically. And then her new favorite song plays on the jukebox, and he claims that in six months she's going to tell him to leave, which we 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 get to see. Um, there's there's a, you know, it just fades sort of seamlessly into mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this fight that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I found to be a super interesting scene for Angela as a character because mm-hmm. she's having a hugely difficult time dealing with the idea that he doesn't experience the fear that she experiences, right. that he doesn't have to worry about anything Yeah, no, because he knows how things are going to happen. That's like Adrian uh, points out later in the episode. Um, yeah, there's no risk. 
and then just like how as a mortal how would you have a relationship with the god like how could it not just ultimately be condescending and yeah. patronizing and you know all the other things that the uh, dr manhattan's lovers have hurled accurately at him over the years like everything mm -hmm. they say is true he's just sad because you know the nature of his existence uh infuri infuriates mortals <laughs> yeah Absolutely. Um, and I think the, the risk is the important thing to note here. Like she says, I'm taking so many risks. You're not risking anything because later we'll see that he does in fact take a risk mm -hmm. to be with her. Um, and then the, her idea of a relationship that's going to end sort of being not worth having at all. Like she says, if we're not going to be together, then why are we together? Um, which seems like a narrow way to view our relationship, but Okay. It is like, but that's the thing. It's like I, I thought that was an interesting question. Like uh, the arrival asked too is like, you know, would you do a relationship if you knew it definitely is going to end and is going to end badly? Yeah. And the ultimate refutation of that, like most people say, no, I wouldn't. If I'd known now, I would never have done it. But like, you know, what things like the movie Arrival and what this tries to have you understand is that all good things end badly or else they wouldn't end. Mm -hmm. So like every relationship you have, even one that like, you know, you, you, you love your wife or your husband and you're going to be married 75 years. Eventually one of you is going to die yeah. and that will be a tragic end to that relationship. But yet we, and we all know that we mm -hmm. all as humans go into every relationship knowing that it's going to end. And yet we always choose to get into relationships or at least most of our, uh, you know, semi-functional healthy people do. Uh, I think that's it's it's another <laughs> one of those weird things. It's like it's it's like this thing that we kind of this this trick we play on ourselves, this lie we tell. Like you know, every time you go and you adopt a puppy, it's like you're just mm -hmm. bookmarking a a wrench in your heart eight to sixteen years from now. It's but we do it. We always fucking do it. Yeah. Um, why? Why do we do that? I'm tempted to say it's a risk versus reward thing, but that's tough. Like, would you do the same if you knew that puppy was gonna die tomorrow? Uh, How, where's the yeah, line? Like, right? do, do you, do you, okay, this puppy's going to die in eight days, but you're mm -hmm. going to have eight days of bliss with this puppy. Sure. Or the puppy's going to live for 10 years. Yeah, I know. There's a, it's, there's a lot of moral, okay. ethical, and uh, a thought to put in that. But I think the point is, like, since we don't know the future, we yeah. just essentially pretend like everything's going to. I, I think that's how, like, humans exactly experience life is like we we just assume that everything's going to stay the same. Yeah. And we're surprised and, un, and, and upset when it's not. And then we go and we deal with that surprise and upset in healthy ways or unhealthy ways. And we get through it until the next time that life life upends us and we're upset and pissed off about it again right and there's the old cliche it's about the journey not the destination sure yeah uh that could not be more true and evident than in this episode i think mm -hmm. um so we're we're six months after i will say that this is a little fucked up in in, in terms of meditation of like a race relations because oh, yeah, like you know why uh, you know, why fight the civil war? Why fight for civil rights? Why fight for reparations? Why do anything? Because if it's going to happen, it's going to happen, and no matter wh what contribution you do individually <laughs> or collectively, it's it's going to ha it's, yeah. it's or already ordained. Like it seems like this type of worldview would breed apathy, except for but it, it wouldn't matter, right? It can't, or maybe Be it does because it and... doesn't breed anything. The, the yeah. thing that's there is already there. Yeah. How can information about the thing not change the thing, right? Yeah, like and, if, and that's a question that this 
asks, right? This is the like, this is with the, Will and Angela. This is like why can't Doctor Manhattan dodge the tachyon cannon? Mm-hmm. You know, like that he had the information, but but he was powerless to change it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we go six months after, or, or sorry, the conversation that's happening happening six months uh, into the relationship. Um, Doctor Manhattan leaves at Angela's request. And he goes to see Ozymandias in Antarctica. Uh, Ozzy sends a few squids to somewhere and then deduces why Dr. Manhattan is here. He fell in love with a human and he wants to become human so that he can be with her. Uh, Ozzy gives him the solution, which is a device irradiated with tachyon particles, which will make him forget who he is, all of his powers, and his entire history. And then Dr. Manhattan sends Ozzy to Europa, where he can be worshipped by the life forms that he created. And then takes this device to Angela, who suggests they should move to Tulsa if he loses his memory. Yeah, I was thinking of the, you know, I said this on the Instant Take podcast that, like, it's kind of fucked up that Dr. Manhattan um, puts Ozymandias in this position that he himself can't rescue himself from and then takes this pill that causes him to forget. Yeah. But then I was reminded of, like, there's a point in the comics where, and the, the the movie as well, where Dr. Manhattan takes his girlfriend to Mars, and he forgets that she needs air. So the first five seconds she expends is she's suffocating and dying, and then he's like, oh, I forgot these things slipped my mind. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's what Ozymandias has been experiencing for the last seven years, except for Dr. Manhattan wasn't around to notice he needed a helmet or needed to you know, be able to breathe or something. Uh, it's very on brand for Dr. Manhattan mm-hmm. to just slip his mind that he left a sentient being in what could be paradise or could could be heaven or could be hell. Yeah. There's no way that Ozymandias could have known the full implant of his, and then he's just going to go and live his life, and, and that's that. Although I wonder, like I did on the Instant pod, uh, Take podcast, um, if that horseshoe isn't the failsafe. Because mm-hmm. uh, we've seen Ozymandias refuse to use it. Like, it's not, no, I'm not ready. It's not time. It's what. A, but that's because his pride was such that he wasn't ready to pull the ripcord. He wanted to see if he could save himself without having to call on God. Yeah, there's some kind of plan going on with Ozzy. I'm yeah. not sure exactly what it is and why he needs this horseshoe, but got one more episode to find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Does any of this throw into question the idea that He's sort of trying to appeal to Lady True because we've long, you know, for a few episodes now thought he's saying, save me daughter. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's correct. Okay. Hmm. And, and, yeah. and the Lady True fight alliance right. was before this because he talked, uh, you know, uh, uh, Adrian mentions that he knew that he was creating life on Europa and how little elephant told me. Well, we now know through all the elephant imagery questionable and otherwise that uh you know that's that's something tied to lady true so lady true knew about the europa thing Mm -hmm. and told uh ozymandias for some reason uh and then i I, is that is that another reason why she built all these well i'm trying to think of like you know which came first her her solar system wide uh tracking system like what why why the why the fusion drives? Why the probes in the space? Why did she build a plant like a, a solar system wide uh, surveillance system? Did she suspect that Doctor Manhattan was like? Because I, I, that's the thing. Like the the the, the thing I don't mm-hmm. know now because I feel like I know everything everyone else's plan is. I don't know what Lady True wanted to do and when did she come up with the idea to do it? Because yeah, a lot of this a lot stuff seems this. very. 
uh, like it's a good thing this all happened because we needed characters to know certain things. And I'm like, is it just fortuitous? Because I'm fine with that. Like coincidences happen. Like that was one of the you know theses of the um, you know the original Watchmen is or that that like you know sometimes weird shit happens and you can't account for it. Thermodynamic miracles uh, mm-hmm. occur. Um, but I also it 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 also seems without knowing for sure one way or another that's reasonable that maybe lady true somehow knew about all this happening and she built satellites so she could find dr manhattan and then i i don't yeah. that that's where the wheels come off like but but why why yeah um i'm i have a lack of imagination <laughs> so th- there's um a part of this when he's talking with angela after the Aussie stuff, which mm-hmm. probably need to talk a lot more about the Aussie stuff because there's a lot of shit in there. Mm-hmm. Um, we find out that he's actually the one uh, doing all the squid fall stuff um, and has been for the last 24 years. Uh, the government actually didn't take up his plan at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's been trying to work behind the scenes to keep the peace, uh, which is something I don't think, I, I don't think we were onto at all before this episode. Hmm. We thought it was the government Kind of yeah, well, I mean, plan. we assumed that, like, from when we saw that uh, video of the Seventh Cavalry stuff, that the President Redford would just, you know, take in his orders and, like, oh, yeah. uh, but, but clearly, what's happened is, uh, they all ignored, like, they're, you know, it's like, oh, thanks for engineering our election. Uh, you, we're, you're no, your services are no longer required. But that mm-hmm. begs, I guess, the question, if I can use that expression incorrectly, <laughs> uh, who has been squidding it up these these last seven years? Uh, Ozzy's been on Europa. Is it Lady True? Probably. I would assume so. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're gonna you know hypothesize that they had some kind of arrangement, yeah, then yeah, I would think he, yeah, when he stops doing the squid fall, she'd take note and start Mm -hmm. it up. Mm -hmm. But who knows? Hold on a second. There is is that stuff come across on the mics? This this crazy loud. I doubt it. You don't think so? Okay. Because, like, mm. huh? Mm. Do you want to talk about anything else in the Aussie scene? So, another thing I want to talk about Aussie Mandia scene is something that I, <laughs> um, I used to argue with my mom because my mom would always uh, one of the things I wasn't allowed to do is partake in uh, entertainment that that showed like magic or other arcane things, but also anything that had violence. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I was arguing is like, well, like if like and, and, and this kind of like also had me questioning like my own theology, because like a life devoid of conflict, like think about like what a life without with zero conflict looks like Mm -hmm. and how like meaningless it must seem. And like, you know, like it's, it's kind of like a, but do people ever really do Christians give thought about what it's going to be like in heaven? Because if you yeah. look in the Bible or like common conceptions where you're just kind of like standing and basking in the adoration of God and like singing his praises of all of eternity, it's like, is that consistent with what we consider a satisfying human existence? Because that's what Dr. Manhattan experienced and then said, ah, this is stupid fucking off. I'm going to float up into the heavens. And then Ozymandias came and 
it's funny. I, I wish I had time to watch all seven episodes again because it does seem like they're telling a story of a man who was kind of delighted to have this kind of worship and like the endless potential it could be and like what kind of social experiments he could do and then increasingly frustration and turn to like homicidal mania mm-hmm. at just how mind-numbingly boring it was yeah. without any kind of challenge. And once he did the thing he could do, which is like alert the, the, the outside people that he was there, then he got completely despondent. But I also thought it's like, is this interesting that like Ozymandias always kind of showed himself as like, well, I murdered 3 million people, sure, but it's for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Here he's murdering completely virtuous beings that – Dr. Manhattan made very clear to this episode our thinking and feeling and yeah. they have consciousness and they have self-determination and they are perfectly aware of what's going on. They just, the difference is that they are completely unselfish and they're focused around others' gratification. Mm-hmm. Is this say that Ozymandias is actually an insane killer and always has been? Because there was no need to kill any of these people. It was for a purely selfish purpose. Like he saw these people as less than that. The, he saw these people who were inherently the type of beings that he wanted to bring about on Earth as less than and as something he could just use for his own ends. And I think that says something profound about what Dave, Damon Lindelof thinks about Ozymandias. Yeah, and it could further eliminate this the trial scene. Mm, um, mm-hmm. when all of these things that he's done to these people are yeah. sort of shown to him. Um, you know, I'm talking about the the squid attack event mm-hmm. um, that killed three million people or whatever. He sort of has to reckon with the idea that even down to its core, fundamentally, mm-hmm. his principles were flawed. Yeah. And that he killed those people for no reason. Mm-hmm. It is weird, though, like, now that I know the whole story about Crookshanks and the... And, uh, uh, her male counterpart, Phillips. Phillips, thank you. What is the, the what is the whole deal with the trial? What is the deal with the tomatoes <laughs> smashing in the faces? Hmm. How's that square with them only seeking to to uh, serve serve others instead of themselves? Like, well, the, the so the game warden is slightly different. Somehow. I think he's the same. The only difference between him is he had personal experience with God. And also experience the loss of him abandoning them. Yeah. But like I don't think he's different in in the way he's constructed or how no, his consciousness certainly. is formed. I agree, yeah. Okay. But but has he been changed somehow uh-huh. by those experiences? I guess is the question. Like, changed in a way that would alter like Dr. Manhattan's fundamental nature. Sure. Huh. I don't know. I mean, so that like does that blow up free will or determination? I'm trying to think. Yeah, uh, <laughs> huh, that's because a it, it may, is is that like Damon Lindelof's uh, stealth backdoor hope that like if a being that is created purely as, as selfless can be corrupted to the point where it becomes cynical and mm-hmm. uh, um, if not selfish at least certainly cynical, hard bitten, uh, disillusioned in life, can we as humans who seemingly were born as as a selfish like creature, um, could we do the opposite? And decide to, you know, make a permanent change to some other other state, or does it only go? Is it, or know. is this like emotional entropy? It only goes one way. Hmm. Like you have to expend energy to create order from chaos, and in absence of that energy, it collapses into chaos. Like are we? Yeah, like like can can we be, put forth an extraordinary amount of energy to become angels, but then our t- trend is towards demon? I hmm. don't know. 
Yeah, no, it's a it's a good question. Because I also, as I was watching this, the set, uh, the, this, the this on subsequent times, I was thinking like, what is the point? Mm-hmm. You know, what is the statement about humanity? What is uh, you know, what is he trying to say? You know, what does he want a audience member to take? Or what is he hoping? Like, you know, if he's an artist, maybe he just puts it out there and people. Uh, but but he's I, I think most artists have probably some kind of hope of what they want people to take away from their art. I and I wonder so, yeah. what 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 the thesis is going to be when everything's said and done. I mean, I think it's going to be evolve or revolve around Angela's reactions to these uh, realizations and mm-hmm. these experiences, because mm-hmm. um, she uh, very clearly at the end of this episode is unwilling to accept the reality that Doctor Manhattan's put in front of her. Right, that yes. this is inevitability and it's going to happen. Um, there's no absolutely no reason to fight it and it's both futile but it's also what he loves about the human being that is angela yeah and and maybe that's enough to just say like even if this is all futile it's it's how we attempt to exert some control and make things better that matters Mm -hmm. not not in any cosmic sense but in in the sense of humanity Hmm. i don't know um, so we go back to the conversation in Vietnam. Angela asks for more details about their 10 years together, including their adopted kids and where they live. Uh, she puts a ring in his head as we sort of flash forward again. And then we revisit the end of last episode. And Dr. Manhattan is a little disoriented. He remembers... But before we go, there's a couple other things we need to point out, though, because... He states that he could would never pass his powers on to someone without, mm-hmm. um, w- w- without their with consent, but that he could do it by uh, c- creating some kind of organic matrix to hold his power and have someone consume that. And he his illustration is an egg. Yeah, and I think that's, so that's important an for, example of how he could do it. Yeah, Probably but that's not the that's only, that's, but... that's important for later. And also yeah. eggs, holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit, eggs have been all over the, the goddamn place. They have. Yeah. Um, so he he is very disoriented um, coming out of this memory hole, and he remembers saving Angela on the White Knight. Uh, and then he walks on the pool, and he teleports the kids to Will, and he reveals that he set this whole thing up 10 years ago. Um, there's... It, I, <laughs> I don't know where to go from there because we then get a scene with Will, but I kind of want to take this in chunks. Okay. I'm... So big question. Why is it important for Angela to see him on the pool? That and the egg is the, I think the most important clue for what's going on to happen next episode. Yeah. Um, I am at a loss of how, and I, I think it's going to be revealed, you know, um, and these are, these are things that I kind of, we kind of put together in real time on the instant talk and instant take podcast. But like, I think it's going to be revealed that Dr. Manhattan has either created something that someone could eat or has already been consumed because we've already seen like Will in previous episodes eating an egg, um, hard boiled yep. eggs. Uh, we saw after reaching into boiling Water. After reaching the boiling, while we we see An- also the Doctor Manhattan was working with eggs here, and then Angela smashed them, and I made the joke about her like frantically coming in there and sucking eggs off the floor. <laughs> right. Um, but like I think one of the the concepts is uh, that that Doctor Manhattan's powers are going to pass to some ally that's going to use it to save the day in some in some way. Yeah. Now, why walking on water is important about that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to be. 
Because, like, if Angela is reverse Dr. Manhattan and she's already got the powers, but she doesn't know it, like, maybe if she instinctively uses the power reflexively, like, if she's in a situation where she could walk on water for some reason and it just happens, that's when she knows she's Manhattan and that will unlock all of her powers. Like, oh, shit, the powers are in the waffles. Well, he didn't get the chance to make him though. But he's been making him for years. Oh my God, the whole family—it's the Incredibles. They're the just powers all in the waffles. I knew it. But I knew so, it all but here's along. the thing. I that in episode here's two. the thing. He said I would never give my powers to somebody without their consent. So what? What point did? So Will could have consented to it. Uh-huh. Angel would have to consent to this in the future. And I'm wondering, like, you know, I think so, yeah. Like, uh, so, so I think that could be in the form of her, like, realizing what he's talking about and sucking eggs off the floor. It could be, like, uh, you know, Will giving her a box that has a cookie or a waffle in it. Like, there's a lot of different ways that could happen. But she has to say, I want this, or has had to revealed, revealed in the past to have said, I want this yeah. at some point. It'd be interesting if there's like, because there's all kinds of games Lindelof would play. Let me ask you this. Would this piss you off? Here's the thing. He So, okay. Dr. Manhattan's perception mm-hmm. of time, the future is the past. Mm-hmm. So he could have been making the waffles all along with the stuff for her to turn into Dr. Manhattan, knowing that in the future, she says, I want to turn into Dr. Manhattan. Give consent in the future for something that happens in the past. That is all over this episode. Yeah, but I... It's in the waffles. Okay, but it's I... It's 100% so been I, here, in the waffles here, let, me, let me see if this blows up your theory. <laughs> I don't think that he can use information he knows in the future to affect his current. So he wouldn't ever think, oh, knowing that what I know, I'm going to have to make these waffles so Angela could eat them, right? But he did make the waffles, and therefore he made the waffles. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a tautology, his, but it's true. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't skeet into them like he'd have to. He didn't. Why not? <laughs> Why would he? Because he knows Angela wants the, the powers. Because she tells him in the future. So then he would be using information from the future to direct his past actions, and I don't think that's what Doctor. He does Manhattan that all the time. Did. He does that when he walks into a bar. How? He knows they're going to be together, so he walks into that bar because they are together. But that he, doesn't he, mean he, knows he went that, to the bar because he knew he knows he's going to need to send oh, the kids Jesus, somewhere, and so he goes back to Will yeah, ten yeah, years ago and says, yeah. "You need to be here." Then why doesn't he dodge the cannon? Yeah, because it happens. That's just the way it happens, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the stuff's in the waffles. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm, I'm. I've never been more certain of anything in my life. <laughs> okay, I don't even know where we were in this outline. Uh, do we want to talk about? So oh. you, you you didn't want to talk about his experience with Grandpa uh, Reeves? Did Not you, yet. You, um, because okay. because we're still on this thing. Um, where we sort of transition from them being together for ten years and this ring in his head and all that stuff. And there's a shot in there that I thought was pretty cool. Uh, after going and reading about it, where mm. they show them as shadows on the wall. Mm. And apparently that's sort of a thing in Watchmen. It's it's um, something called a Hiroshima shadow, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is like um, uh, Hiroshima lovers, rather. It's a graffiti that's spray-painted throughout, well, I don't know, throughout Watchmen, but a mm. few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, the graphic novels where they show two lovers in an embrace, and it's meant to signify the incoming... Um, atomic war that it, it, think like Terminator 2 the, the beginning of that movie yeah and this or, is a real life phenomenon in Hiroshima there were actually people's yes like in, inverted shadows where like mm-hmm. their body kept the the wall from being exposed and you could yeah. see the outline of where they stood at, at, at the moment of the detonation 
Yeah, I'm not sure what they're getting at exactly with this shot, showing uh -huh. them sort of in that arrangement. It's probably because like uh -huh. there there is like a that was for, and then there's also the famous uh, point in the books where like the um, the the newsstand re guy who's had kind of like this not antagonistic but not antagonistic relationship with this kid who's reading the comic books for free mm -hmm. at his newsstand, like at the moment of truth when there's going to die, they spontaneously go and embrace each other as the wave of white okay. light from the psychic squid washes over them so there's like that yeah. that led up to that so it's, it's and we're leading up to another big event yeah is um, a foreshadowing is an homage probably could be both could be both uh so then we go to the scene with will 10 years ago mm -hmm. uh where dr manhattan goes to him and informs him of angela's existence and this is where things get strange and really cool uh dr manhattan is being sort of used as a time bridge here to connect 10 years ago will and An modern day angela. telephone you might say sure that sounds about <laughs> right um and angela asks will why he killed judd mm -hmm. via this time bridge but will doesn't know who judd is yet and angela realizes that she might have just inadvertently killed judd by asking that question and right. regina king the the <laughs> The realization, this real-time acknowledgement of, oh, mm -hmm. shit, this is the moment. Mm -hmm. Like, she's she's having the same sort of reaction that John or Dr. Manhattan has to her wanting to go out and protect him. Like, mm -hmm. this is the moment I fell in love with you. This is the moment that she killed Judd Crawford, right? Right. And, and you can read that all Did over I her face. All it's this? so good. Is this my fault? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I really loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, John, John, Dr. Manhattan's in the background the whole time going, oh, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Perhaps right. is it, both. Is, are you, is, is it a good... philosophizing while her mind yeah. is being blown. Is, isn't a good thing that he's dead? Like, where does it, right. why does it matter where the idea came from if it's... Yeah. Uh, and then, how, anything else on that scene, or should we I go to the so. waffles? Uh, Dr. Manhattan makes waffles. He knows the 7K is outside. He tells Angela, they're going to destroy me. And she decides she's not going to let that happen, so she grabs some guns. She heads outside. Um, this is the moment that Dr. Manhattan falls in love with her, and then Angela tries to take on the 7K, which does not go well. No. So Dr. Manhattan intervenes enough to save her, but he's also blasted with a tachyon cannon and teleported away. Mm -hmm. uh, what happened to the 7th Cavalry man that, that manned the gun? Did he get vaporized along with Dr. Manhattan? Because there's a person that crewed that weapon... And mm -hmm. after Manhattan disappears, he's gone. Yeah, I don't know. Did, I was I, wondering that too. What if he got blasted back by the force of the blast, or did he keel mm -hmm. over dead, or maybe? Because I, I, my, as I watched it, everything kind of hit me once. I just assumed like Angela shot the guy afterwards, but no, he just, he's just gone. He was there one minute and then he's gone. Yeah, maybe he fell off the truck and Angela's gonna go kill him hmm. uh, shortly after that. Turns out it's Lady True. Okay. The whole time. Uh huh. His lube man. Oh, maybe he gets uh, teleported into the same place Dr. Manhattan goes. And now he's got a... Yeah, he's got a, yeah There's a reckoning, right? Like, yeah, oh, you yeah, just yeah. teleported me away, you motherfucker. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, I, I don't understand, like, once... Because he said... He said it's a two-step process. I'll be forcibly teleported, and mm -hmm. then I'll be destroyed. Yeah. Um. Once you teleport Dr. Manhattan, how do you, I mean, that's the thing is like teleporting Dr. Manhattan. Okay. But how, how do you destroy him? I, that's the thing that is the, the million dollar question. And I'm, I don't, I'm trying to think this is the one thing that I'm kind of a little bit worried. I'm not very worried because so far this thing's been, been, been killing it. But like, why, 
why the two-step process? Why teleport? I mean, the, the, my, I guess my idea is that uh, they they not they don't want to just destroy Doctor Manhattan. They want to take his powers for himself themselves. Okay. Um. Yeah. So that explains why they're not just wanting to blast him. And but like, how do you contain a Doctor Manhattan once you've teleported him? Like you've got a, a supremely powerful being. Um, and I'm not even sure he can be killed. Like, I don't even know what it looks like to kill him. You do it with sci-fi mumbo jumbo. That's how you yeah, do it. Yeah, I guess so. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm guess I'm wondering if that will be seen as satisfying that like, they're just going to, um, you know, hand wave away that like, well, that we just did it. We did Look, it. Look, man, they connected the... Angela to a fucking elephant to, to drain her, her bad sure. memory juice. Like there, there's plenty of sci-fi that people will tolerate. I guess, uh, and, and I'm I'm thinking more and more of this pointing to Lady True being in league with the Seven K somehow. Yeah, because a we saw that they have a lot of her tech in their warehouse, but also I think only she could come up with a device that could contain Doctor Manhattan. I don't think fucking Keen's doing it. Mm. I don't think Judd Crawford's doing it. None of the dumb fucks. Well, Seven Ks are okay. Gonna be able to so do that it, so. meteor that hit earlier in the season on the Clark Farm, the Kent yeah. Farm. If that's Ozymandias coming back, like a lot of people have suggested, is mm-hmm. it possible that her and Ozymandias together could come up with a way to sure. suppress, kill, Those steal are the power? only two characters they've established that I think could do it. Okay. And and it leans right into my idea of Lady True ultimately being a villain or, mm-hmm. or somehow driven by... Um, it, it could honestly be that she is a direct analog to the person that Adrian Veidt used to be. The guy who thought he needed to kill three million people to save the planet, because mm-hmm. um, we've seen Adrian sort of come to a reckoning, like have a reckoning with that thought pattern, mm-hmm. and maybe understand that it is not, in actuality, worth anything, um, and that he did a very evil and terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Lady True could be sort of an acolyte who he needs to now defeat, and Angela needs to defeat. Because he's gonna, re- she's gonna repeat the mistakes that Adrian did. Yeah, because it's like you know, he always it, we take it for granted that had he not done the psychic squid, the world would have ended in nuclear war, but mm-hmm. not necessarily. Right. Like you know, you look at the Cuban Missile Crisis, like that was a really mm-hmm. close run thing. But at the end of the day, humans like de-escalated back down, like robbing them of the 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 experience of doing that might have done more harm than 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 good like he's taken for granted that what he did at least delayed thermonuclear war on the planet and i don't know that 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 is actually in evidence he did something and there was no nuclear war but like we don't know that there would have been nuclear war had he not it could have been just nixon blusters yeah and uh, whoever the premier over in russia blusters and neither one of them launched the nukes because why the fuck would you sure um but yeah we'll we'll see uh we go back to the conversation in vietnam and angela asks about the terrible thing that's going to happen to him but he won't say anything and she agrees to have dinner uh i i i didn't want to say it until we got to the end but i think this is an incredibly elegantly written episode oh yeah like the the framework of this episode and just the way that it conveys this strange uh relationship with time um and free will and everything that's going for it's going for big ideas and yet it's set in this fucking bar Mm -hmm. essentially Mm -hmm. um just tiny hole in the wall 
I'm thinking of like in terms of like relational dynamics and uh, dialogue. Mm-hmm. I this year there's been two standout ones I can think of. One is in True Detective. One is in Watchmen, and they're both uh, you know a black man and a black woman having a conversation, mm-hmm. um, having a relationship. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, this is like one I uh, one of the better kind of like I I, I there's so many things are amazingly written i thought like dr manhattan threaded the needle of being like playful and flirtatious but also still Mm -hmm. being kind of like dr manhattan you know like i don't think they cheated like some stuff he said was very romantic and was was great he was spinning great game but it was all stuff that i believe that dr manhattan was capable of Mm -hmm. you know they didn't like uh, just make him be like uh i don't know what would be what would be an unrealistic way for dr manhattan to pick up a lady uh, walk up completely nude. Uh, uh, it's like a Joey re- Tribbiani from Friends. Like, hey, you know, it's like it's yeah. Or you're walking to the bar nude or something like that. Yeah. But it, it felt it felt it, it felt very Doctor Manhattan, and it's also very yeah. sweet and romantic and tragic. And it felt as advertised. Extremely Lindelof too. Like mm-hmm. this is this is Lindelof being Lindelof, and this is what I like most about Lindelof when he's telling these interesting character stories. Um, and and normally his go-to move is the flashback. Mm. And I think it's super interesting that he does the flash forwards in mm. this he to tell you the same yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, it's it's really, really intricately and elegantly plotted and constructed. A total agreement I, on that. I appreciate this one. Uh, and then that's not actually the end of the episode. Nope. Because there is, if you didn't know this, a post-credit sequence. Go back and watch through the, the credits. Because it's a big one. Um, so Ozzy is being asked repeatedly if he'll stay on Europa, and he repeatedly answers no. And every time he does, a tomato is smashed in his face. Like the first 30 seconds of the scene was against the credits, and it's yeah. just, Master, will you stay? No. Smash. Like, a weird time thinking, like, are they, are they like, putting his eyes out? Is this some sort of physical <laughs> right. torch? Like, what the fuck is this squelching, gross, squishing mm-hmm. noise that happens? And it's tomatoes. Yeah. It's tomatoes to the face. Uh, what does it mean? Afterward, he's put in a cell where the game warden brings him a cake, which we find out has a horseshoe in it. Um, don't you don't know that exactly yet? But the they discuss the loneliness um, of of this book, fog dancing, and uh, the game warden discusses heaven and its nature with with uh, Ozzy, and then he notices this this horseshoe in the cake, and he gets mm. super excited and he starts mm. digging at the floor. Yeah, he just goes like a maniac with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, th- let, let me ask you this. Is it possible that Ozymandias has somehow written Fog Dancing? What? We're playing with time. Uh-huh. They, so so this is partially informed by the PDPedia, which sure, we'll sure. get to in a second, but mm-hmm. like um, Fog Dancing is the book that he's reading. Mm-hmm. We also know that he's working on some some kind of play, a five act play, mm-hmm. right? A tragedy in five acts. Is there is there any connection there with the strangeness of time in this episode? How could he go back in time and write something? Like he would already by, like by going into the future and having Doctor Manhattan. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a it's a good question. I'm just I'm just throwing the question out there because there's something weird about all this hmm. with fog dancing that I'm 
I haven't completely thought through yet. Hmm. I thought it was just kind of playing homage to, because we already knew that this guy, like we already knew this about his history. This was all established in Watchmen, the comic books through the, like the errata that was in between episodes. Um, so I think it's just like Damon Lindelof kind of like using that and like giving it a little bit of like, um, mm-hmm. you know, some slaughterhouse five flair and kind of fleshing it at that. And the, the fact that like, Things never end. They just spawn new things. Like the fact that this this spawned Agent Petey to you know be interested in masks and like the rejection he got for his essay on what the fog dancing means uh, made him like be uh, consumed with uh, proving his theories right, which led him to be an FBI agent, which probably mm. led him to be the Lube Man, probably, or as we should probably call him, the Fog Dancer. No. Uh-huh. And how, just like the Minutemen, uh, or the is it the yeah the Minutemen uh, inspired the Crime Busters, the second wave of the it's like that this is uh, all these events taking place are inspiring a yet yet another wave, um, and like Ozymandias inspired Lady True, like there's there's they're saying something about that, but I don't I don't know about him actually going back in time because like that's the one thing I'm not even quite sure about this, the, the, the actual paradox itself, it all tracks, but like, I didn't think that's the way Dr. Manhattan worked, but no, I, I mean, no, nothing about any of this says that anyone can travel through time. They can simply, there, there's Send information one character, back, which is almost the same, right? Like, like what you're saying is Dr. Manhattan appears before Ozymandias in yes. 1971, but, but says, they send information to someone else, not themselves. Right. But that information could affect the person. That's the whole, the one, the reasons are like uh, well, uh, Einstein, okay, for let, example, so against the idea that you could send information faster than light because you could. Let me ask you this. Could he have inspired the writing of Fog Dancing by sometime in the future communicating possibly through Dr. Manhattan to, uh, you know, his, his dude in... It seems like, though, that the experience with Dr. Manhattan in the war of Vietnam and the war of Vietnam itself is what inspired... You know, just like uh, uh, Vonnegut's experience with, you know, the firebombing of Dresden uh, inspired Slaughterhouse Five. Like, I think mm. just like the trauma of Vietnam with the fucked, additional fucked up elements of Dr. Manhattan vaporizing people and the comedian doing like, uh, you know, winter soldier shit to like the nth degree, like is is what was was inspired that that trauma inspired the book. Yeah. But yeah. And I don't know if Ozzy had any role in that in the future and even got like there's generational trauma there because that author then gave birth to a kid who then became the director and writer of the the in-universe uh american hero story did you know that oh is that true yeah 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 that he's like the son the son of the guy who wrote the fog dancing and who was the architect of the plot or uh, architect of the story of the psychic squid stuff is the actual uh, sire of the person who made the the American hmm. hero story. Interesting. Uh, so there's some other stuff in this conversation that I think is kind of worth thinking about um, when the game warden's talking about heaven and, you know, how he was sort of Adam and he was there for the creation of, of this world and that's what kind of soured him on the whole thing. Um, and he asks Ozymandias why heaven is not enough. Is, is heaven not enough for you? And he says, no, heaven is not enough uh, because heaven doesn't need me. Mm-hmm. Which paints a picture of a very egotistical man. Oh, sure. Adrian Veidt certainly is. Mm-hmm. But it also has a tinge of 
futility in it, which is it sort of feeds back, you know, into the the ideas we were talked about earlier with maybe Ozzy regretting his actions because they were fundamentally flawed. And I don't even know that he's he's I, I don't know if it's even true. Like he's envisioning a world that's like, you know, shitting its 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 britches and, and needing him. I don't know that it does. Yeah, maybe maybe it doesn't. I don't know. It needs him or Lady True, honestly. That's like yeah. I think I wonder. I, I'm starting to. Th- well, well, that profound loneliness. The, the the thing he says when he's reading the book is loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um, is what the book is about. Mm-hmm. And I think to me that indicates that sort of neither world needs him. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he, he can needs get home. to be needed, and yeah, he needs to be needed, and no one needs him. Yeah, like that's yeah. What that's does that the... even mean in a deterministic universe? Like needing and belo- right, like, yeah. right. But he does want to be home, uh-huh. right? Because this place doesn't even provide him an opportunity to be needed by anyone. Whereas at home, he could maybe get back and do something to be needed by someone. Um, even if he regrets the fundamental concept of the ideas he had before. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Got one more episode. You got any idea about the horseshoe? I don't, man. Yeah. I. What's he going to dig to? It's going to take him years to dig out of this prison with a horseshoe. <laughs> yeah. There, there's yeah I mean, that's a clear like the thing is is like because that's i i like my idea that like he, he he could break this in half and it would like summon dr manhattan or some shit like that but, but he like, doesn't he digs with what it. he does is is he not only just he digs but he like moves his bed in like a shawshank redemption kind of way like he's going to tunnel out of here and like or maybe get something that he's knows is placed there, there yeah, at some is... point because he digs in a very specific location although it could just be hiding it yeah i don't I, know i don't know and i don't know yeah, what man. makes the what the the game warden tick like why i mean as, as people point out on the internet like he's wearing a mask and we knew know from Lori's you know dissertation that people wear mm-hmm. masks because of trauma they experienced and you and know he, he experienced, experienced the, trauma the trauma of the god leaving yeah but still, why this? Mm-hmm. Why, you know, the thou shalt not leave? Why did the Dr. Manhattan give them that edict? The, oh, to not leave? To not leave. is mm-hmm. Because uh, it seems like, are they capable of leaving? And uh, I guess That's a really good question. Maybe eventually. Like, what happens if you just walk to the edge of this thing? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can go through it. You can certainly be catapulted. You can be catapulted through. through. So I'm, I'm just wondering, like, why why the prohibition on leaving? Why would Doctor Manhattan get, tell his creation not to to leave? Why did they did it have to main, remain hidden? Did he? Is that something like is like a test for them? Like, if they ever do leave, then they become yeah, interesting. Like the tree of knowledge and good and bad. Yeah, yeah like leaving test. the Garden of Eden is the first step of you know becoming human in in the the Bible. So yeah. because before then, I don't know what we were, but we were immortal, perfect beings, and that's not humanity. And he specifically did not give them apples like Uh we have to remember he he wants to keep them as they are right adrian Um, is the one that invented the the tomatoes on the trees yeah is he yeah because like i think the game warden said something about like i appreciated tomatoes you sent over like that's the first time you'd yeah I, i got the idea that he had genetically engineered those trees that they didn't exist in the original version can't remember. It's been like that's episode two or something. That's yeah. forever ago. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, couldn't tell you. Okay, uh, what else we got? Uh, do you want to talk about the PD files? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, first up, there's a memo fog dancing, which is Agent PD. So a couple of things that happened. Apparently, shit has gone down in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about destruction raining down from above. Uh, that. Yeah. 
not only has uh, Agent uh, Blake gone missing, but there's uh, unidentified subjects number one and number two, which were redacted. There actually says the conspicuous absence of redacted and redacted gives an indication as to the identities of the remains, but given... So, like, what is that? What is the redacted thing? Like, the the, the absence of... Yeah. Um, but then there's also unidentified uh, remains that they may be Agent Blake, which we know it's not, and they have hazmat... There's martial laws under Tulsa, and the hazmat teams are... So, I, my guess is that the 7th Cavalry led off with some kind of portal technology... Instead of dropping squids on them, they dropped some kind of a munitions or I don't know what. Um, yeah, could be. But I that that was shocking to me that something like this big in universe happened and we were not privy to it until we saw this out of universe thing happen. Um, right, yeah, which I assume we'll see next episode. Yeah, and then he finds this copy of Fog Dancing in uh, Wade's bomb shelter or squid shelter, mm -hmm. and this kind of led him to this like kind of introspective discussion of the novel itself, and that he he also found this uh, particular magazine that was from this... Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, wh what was this magazine? It was like something... I can't celebrating this artist's life the, the the wrote the fog dancing and they were right mm -hmm. running this contest where if you could write an essay that explained the meaning of fog dancing then you could win this this bronze bust of this gas mask it's the 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 newspaper the magazine's calling card mm -hmm. and that he wrote that and he came in 50th out of 50th in the contest and that kind of lit a, lit a fire of arrogance and dickishness under him which he carried through into his present day um and then we get to see that actual summary of it. Yeah, and he right? talks about this yeah. being his origin story, mm -hmm. like why he became an FBI agent is being Which, rejected and all this stuff. Yeah, ties in nicely if he's lube man, that kind of thing. And yeah. then then he mentioned that Agent Blake once told him that masks, uh, masked heroes get two origin stories, mm -hmm. uh, the identity that circumstances create for you and the one that you choose for yourself. And he said going down into Wade's bunker and seeing both this book and this 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 crazy thermodynamic miracle, which is this magazine that had his essay that he wrote as a teenager is kind of his second origin story. Mm -hmm. And then they have the clipping from this Nothing Ever Ends magazine. Um, I don't know. Do you want to? So so the idea that in Viet, this this fictional version of Vietnam or this alternate history version of Vietnam, the, the special forces guys called fog dancers and they wore these flame retardant uniforms and they use this thing called uh, uh, SPF 666, which was like some kind of super flame retardant material. And they would go in and do like the dirtiest of dirty deeds in the jungles of Vietnam. Yeah, and, cleaning up the messes of these atrocities. Yeah. So this guy, um, and they had this, uh, this, this thing called Sunset Haze, which is like super napalm. Mm -hmm. And he goes, so, so the hero of this is a fog dancer and he gets out of Vietnam and he falls in love with this lady who is a anti-war activist or an anti-Nixon activist. And they want to take the system down and they find some funding from this uh, kind of liberal rabble, rabble rouser who also has invented this thing called, oh, I forget what the name of the, oh, shut eye. It's an, a gas that gives you dreamless sleep. Mm. And uh, they go and they find this factory where they have um, 
uh, they, they made all these weapons and, and stuff, and they go to blow up this factory, and they realize that this uh, guy who's named Mr. Dow uh, owns the company Make Shut Eye, and this thing is not just a sleep aid, but it also is a mind control agent that manipulates people into revolting against power, mm-hmm. and that he realizes that all the dreams that he had and all the things he'd been doing that he thought of he's doing of his own free will were actually things that he was influenced under this gas. But then that's not all because then he wakes up he wakes up (laughs) and finds out that he was injured in vietnam and he's being nursed back to health by this woman he thought was his freedom fighter and that they think that 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 he can make a full recovery from his injury because he he got too much a whiff of this uh was the was i sunset haze sunset haze and the thing is is that he's good to cure him he's got to take shut eye for the rest of his life uh, so then he decides to shoot himself in the head because that's the only way he can get rest. Mm-hmm. Um, what does this all mean? I don't know, man. I mean, it's kind uh, of a little, it's a little Dr. Manhattan. The guy, the idea that the, the waking of the realization that the things you thought you were doing in life were already predetermined by some other entity mm-hmm. and that there's no way out and there's no way to end except for death. Like, yeah, I mean, PD in that in that memo describes the book as nihilistic and mm-hmm. surreal, um, with you know an unreliable narrator, that kind of thing. So, it's Agent PD that's Lubban. Probably, yeah. What does that mean? I don't know how they can. Well, okay, so there's a there's a part in this book, mm-hmm. uh, this this fog dancing book where. The they are sort of about to be killed by the, the Mr. Dow or whatever, and a guy comes in through the vents. Uh, rawhide, yeah, rawhide comes in through the vents and saves them. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are speculating that that's Petey as Lube Man is going to come in and try and save Lori, try and save Doctor Manhattan. Like, be a super slippery John McClane and just kind of shoot basically, those vents. yeah. Huh, interesting. Which is a possibility. It's also it, it also makes sense now that why Lori would have some kind of attraction to him because she knew either subconsciously or maybe she just smoked him out a long time ago that he's also a mask and a vigilante because mm-hmm. you know he's uh, an FBI agent that's defying the Keen Act by being a costumed hero. Yeah, I don't know. I I do hope that they attempt to explain in whatever way they can, Lube Man, mm-hmm. because it's the weirdest fucking thing in this entire show and it's also the least explained thing currently yeah so yeah the do thing something is, like, i would have said before this episode that i didn't need an explanation for lube man i don't think i do but like it seems like we're going to get one anyway because there's no way they dump this much information without this becoming right you know vital for understanding the plot for next week so Wouldn't it's lube man so. it's eggs and it's walking on water mm-hmm. mix those into a bowl for and it's waffles. Don't and and the waffles. until combined, and you get interdimensional waffles. I don't know. Yep. And this is the reason why I think cliffhangers suck as endings, mm-hmm. because they're not answering the why, they're not answering the the how, they're just answering the they're they're teasing the what mm-hmm. is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Uh. And and it, I'm always far more interested in how people are going to react to situations, mm-hmm. uh, what it's going to mean for the people involved in those situations. 
those are the far more interesting things. And I think these are the questions that we have at the end of this episode, right? Yeah, I mean, that's why like things like uh, The Matrix is so intensely inter- interesting because you've got the like the this omniscient character who makes that a point that like it's not you know like knowing what's going to happen. It, it's what what you need to understand is why mm-hmm. you need to. It's all about understanding yourself and your place in the universe and. Things like this, when you've got like a, a a god who has an extra ability that we don't as humans, I think reveals something interesting about the human condition. And also, just judging from feedback and from people talking on forums and the internet, uh, also reveals some important human limitations of what we're oh what boy. we can comprehend. Because yeah. Half of the mailbag was just people either struggling to understand or refusing to. Uh, to to grapple with the reality of Dr. Manhattan's existence. Yes. Like if you if you ask why he can't dodge the 7th Cavalry's tachyon cannon, then you still don't get it. And I don't know how because the reason he can't dodge it is because he didn't dodge it. Yeah, I I don't know when we want to really go deep on this one cuz I'm sure we will at some point uh-huh. in this episode, but yeah, I I found myself sort of having to re-answer those questions. Oh, I can tell like episode. in the podcast, like why did he pick Angela? No, I mean, that's still, that that's an interesting question, I think. Uh-huh. Why Angela? Of all the billions of people on earth, why Angela? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that is a thing that we're going to potentially answer next uh, episode or if that is something that is meant to be a question without an answer. Well, it's interesting because, like, like, why life on Earth? Well, right, because I was going to say, like, to me, it's clear that, I mean, you can you can probably think of a chain of events that would make sense, and, and I will suggest one, mm-hmm. but the reason he fell in love with Angela is because he fell in love with Angela. Right. You know? But why, my question is not, why did he fall in love with Angela? Uh-huh. My question is, why Angela? It, it, it's because one of John those, Osterman was born. <laughs> but it's one of those things where, like, oh, it's a television show and uh-huh. everybody in the television show is going to obviously connect with each other, right? It's like, uh-huh. it's those those sort of incestuous pieces of a television show. Like, you're not going to introduce a new character that he falls in love with here mm-hmm. just because that's how it happened. You got to fall in love with the main character of the show, right? But I still don't understand. I, I really, I, I guess I was presuming that you wouldn't have a problem with that after you thought about it more. I, I don't understand what the problem is because... There isn't a problem. Yeah. My, my question is a question without an answer, and okay. I understand that. Like, yeah, okay. causality is sure, sure. a... The, the life on Earth, like I said, is a mm-hmm. question without an answer. Why life? Mm-hmm. Because life. Like, that's the answer to that question. Uh, same with Angela, but I just... Yeah, I, I still wonder like if they're gonna do something more with this because there there is something weird about the nature of Doctor Manhattan beyond just like oh I'm out of time here mm-hmm. and I'm essentially just cause and effect personified. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there seems to be some ability of his to control something. Um, he clearly makes decisions, right? And maybe he makes decisions because you make those decisions? are decisions he makes. Yeah, I mean, it's a question of free will. That's what I'm saying. I think like, this that's... episode is definitely getting to it. But like, yeah. at one point, he sort of oddly tips his hand in a weird way. He says, like, I can't see the future, and my ability to control things is limited. And I don't know if he means like just the fact that he doesn't have the powers in those mm-hmm. moments but how could he know he doesn't have the powers in those moments hmm. like there there's there's a line in there that doesn't quite line up with the basic understanding of like 
causality deterministic uh outcomes of things yeah you're right there is a that's not very tidy for him to say you know i, I understand him saying like there's i'm going to go through this tunnel and uh i'm going to come out of it and i'm going to be confused and I, I need somebody to uh look after my kids while that's happening um but that shows that he has some kind of because like, what if he hadn't? What if he hadn't gone back and? What if he hadn't talked to the grandfather and arranged all this before? Would his children have died? Would they all have been killed in the seventh cavalry mass like attack? Like, well, this is why that question or or that statement from him feels so weird in this episode because he did go back, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's not a question of whether he could have or not. What right. if he didn't? What's well, kind of like that, I, I, that's that's just what happened and yeah. like. But his perception of it is something that he has some limited control over, right? Right. Well, it's like I it, it goes back to the comic book and the movie where Dr. Manhattan was feverishly working on a project with Adrian Veidt to try to stave off some kind of nuclear Armageddon. He was trying to provide some sort of, 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 of cheap to the point of almost being free uh, energy so that, you know, people's like 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 that there would be no more want so that there would be like he was doing what he could try to do to uh, create a world where people wouldn't have to fight and there wouldn't be a nuclear war because he wanted to save the world or mm -hmm. he wanted to make people happy because he doesn't care one way or another. And he thinks that's what he... I, I mean, I could go back and... But, but like... But he couldn't see the future because of tachyon beams. Right. That always tracked. But there he could is a see problem the future. This... He knew nuclear war didn't happen. Yes. He just didn't know that piece of the puzzle. No, I think he honestly, like, I think so. That's not true. According to this episode, well, he the, absolutely can see the future beyond those tachyon events. Uh, the beyond the tachyon event inside his head that's localized to just that. Yes. If it, if it, like tachyons are bathing the whole planet, like I think they were in the comic, then I think so. Like, in that, in my, the way I understand, and this could be wrong because who the fuck knows, hmm. but the way I understand Dr. Manhattan is that he essentially has two uh non-continuous experiences of his life three i guess now he has before and after the tachyon flood that adrian veidt creates um on but what? he knows that his relationship with angela ends in tragedy in that uh, 10 years right. ago on vivian day before he goes because he had a 10-year gap because uh -huh. he had a tachyon emitter in his head and he knows how exactly how all of this ends in tragedy mm -hmm. yeah so that says to me that he knows both all of his past and all of his future simultaneously, regardless think, of tachyon events. I think once he got past the uh, Adrian Veidt squid attack, then he could, he no longer had like a discontinuous experience, but he had to travel past that before he could see it. But there is no before. What do you mean? It's all happening now. I understand once. that. Sure. Okay. So doesn't that preclude the idea of before and after an event? Hmm. I don't, I mean, I'm just going with what Dr. Manhattan says. He can't see past a certain event, which means he absolutely could not see his future at that point. And then you're saying that, like, at a certain point in time that he was going to move past that thing, and now he could see, and he can clearly see his past. So, so yeah, I, Maybe it's a case of the show not quite lining up with the, the movies or comics, but I, I'm... I'm hesitant to go there because, like, but, but no, no, no. Your that... problem is with the comics too, because as uh, the, this, this, seeing how Doctor Manhattan survived the the, the squid attack, mm -hmm. um, then by your logic, he absolutely should have been able to see past that and be aware of it. Right. What I'm saying is maybe the logic in the two is different. 
and and I'm going only on what the show says. Yeah, no, I think, so. I think I think the idea is like you've got something localized in his head versus in the entire planet. Because so like I think he had probably um, an unbroken understanding of what. Well, no, because the other thing is he's also only can see his own history. Because I was thinking like he could probably be aware of what everything was happening on Mars and Jupiter and all that kind of thing because they weren't being flooded with tachyons. But also he wasn't over there, so he wouldn't. Because again, he's not omniscient. He just sure. has he has um but that's like saying superman can see through anything except for lead right now superman can open the box the lead box and see what's in the lead box and now he knows but he didn't know before and i think that's what dr manhattan's experience with these tachyon events is like these are boxes that he cannot see into they're like lead shields once once he opens them up then all that information comes flooding back to him and that kind of ties into like some of this Jesus Christ stuff mm-hmm. about like when Jesus came to earth, the, again, the way I was taught, this might not be a universal Christian faith, uh, part of faith, but like I was always taught that when Jesus came, when, when he became a human and was born from Mary, that he didn't have knowledge of his pre-human well, existence. Okay, let me ask you, how would he know in the scene with Angela that they were going to be together for 10 years? Uh, because at the end of 10 years, she's going to beat him to death, uh, beat, beat his head into the hammer and pull that ring out. Once that ring is removed, then not only does he know, uh, then, 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 uh, not only do he have, not only do he have awareness of what happened while he was in the tunnel, but he also had, uh, awareness of what happened after because the, the, the ring, uh-huh. yeah. but that's exactly my point. Are we arguing the same thing here? Just I don't know, because like, what is like... the difference between flooding Dirt with Tachyons and flooding Dr. Manhattan's head with Tachyons? That's I think, is the crucial difference. Yeah, fundamentally, I assume there is no difference. I don't know why you'd say that, because, like... But I don't know why you would say otherwise. It's the difference between <laughs> me blindfolding you and me shrouding the entire world in darkness. Like Okay, but if his perception of of his life is uh-huh. limited anyway to his localization of his body yeah. and his form, then what's the fucking difference? I mean, this is good stuff because I'm sure there's <laughs> lots of people on both sides of this argument, but I I think I fully articulated it. I don't think there's anything I can say that's going okay. to... Okay, and I totally think uh, you're uh, wrong about that. But... I mean, that's fine. I totally think you're wrong. Yeah. So um, I just lack... I, I think that there's a vocabulary that is that, that, that doesn't exist to explain fully the concepts of hand. And as you say, uh-huh. these are, you know... Um, um, this is a man, or two men, Alan Moore and da- Damon Lindelof, trying to describe an existence that they themselves cannot comprehend from a you know a, a common framework that they share with all of humanity. So, like, mm-hmm. there is multiple translation problems here. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, it's like you, like uh, I mean, I, I guess. So you're saying that both the movie and the television series and the comic book, I guess, are all flawed in the same way, which is. You know, either document Manhattan. No, I'm. I'm not even. I've actually uh, sort of absolved myself of the idea that there is a flaw there. Hmm. What I'm saying is that he knows both his past and his future beyond, uh, beyond any kind of tachyon event, and he's powerless to change it anyway. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter. Like, yes, he knows that Adrian's going to set off a a squid attack. And that that's going to stop a war, but he also can't do anything about it because. But why does he? So what? Uh, the, so the other interesting question, and this might maybe this this is um, some evidence here, is that he won't tell 
Angela what tragedy befalls her, but he knows it's going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Is this similar to, like, him not telling Lori that, like, hey, no matter what's going to happen, like, three million people are going to die in New York, and there's going to be a squid attack, and there's nothing we can do about it. Like, he he didn't, it like, it didn't seem like he was withholding information. He said, and that's the thing is, does Dr. Manhattan ever lie? Because I don't know why he would. He he seems like he's unfailingly honest, not because it's yeah. like a fault of his. It's just like that's he doesn't have any other choice than to like like the idea of like hiding information would just not occur to him. So like why wouldn't <laughs> yeah. I understand why he wouldn't tell Ann actually I don't. I don't understand why he's being coy about the nature of the tragedy. It seems like that's because the... he was coy about the nature of the tragedy. Like th- that's the thing yeah. that I think is most frustrating about Mm -hmm. this episode while simultaneously being the best thing about this episode Mm -hmm. is that you cannot you cannot attribute like any sort of uh like free will or anything to him like he does it because he does it yes and that's the end of the statement that is the end of the line of questioning period and that goes back to the like and that is extremely frustrating to people especially in television because you're used to under trying to get into the heads of the characters and understand why they do the things they do Mm -hmm. and this confounds that entirely yeah and i think that like the watchman universe is like do we want to talk about the difference between the deterministic and indeterministic because i feel like the watchman universe or yeah the watchman universe by its name and its analogy to john osterman's um uh past as a watchmaker watchmaker's son um is a deterministic universe like everything that happened in the universe including creation of dr manhattan was 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 ordained from the big bang mm-hmm. like the hydrogen was going to cool coalesce in the stars they're going to nova they're going to make a planet that's the third rock around the sun and eventually a man would become a god and then like like all those things like there's not there's there is no free will in this universe yeah do you believe that uh for the most part yeah i, I think i do i i couldn't like really provide a vigorous defense of it mm-hmm. um or, or even articulate a counter-argument. Because there's a lot of science, and we'll get to that in the feedback, but there's a lot of science that suggests that we humans make decisions before we actually uh, consciously are aware. Like, like, or, 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 yeah. Let me be careful. The science suggests that we our bodies take action before our brains um, form, like, like, like tell us to do it. Uh-huh. Before, before, before our, the, the, our consciousness interactivates. And I... I don't know because, like, I, I honestly I don't like the idea that we live in a deterministic universe because it seems like no, I don't think anybody does. Uh, the way I the way I square it is, I think that moment to moment we are deterministic, but like we have the ability to change the internal conditions of our machine. Like, you know, we can like in any moment whether we're going to snap at someone or take it in stride or we're going to pick A or B is depending on like where our like brains are at and the chemicals flowing through them and the electrical impulses of our nervous system. But we can choose to do things like get a better night's sleep and take better care of ourselves and you know meditate and then we would be less likely to be snappish and angry and make rash decisions in the future. But I don't know if that's just me bullshitting myself because the idea that like I could yeah. step aside and say like, oh, I'm going to start getting better night's sleep because I almost killed myself by being rash in a car the other day. Uh, that that could be like maybe a person whose slight brain chemistry was a little bit different would not be able to change that. So like I could be fooling mm-hmm. myself. And now we're into quantum mechanics and I'm really out of my depth. I have sure. no conceptual understanding but i mean like a lot of the world that we live in doesn't make sense if like the why we punish criminals 
is completely <laughs> stupid sure. if we live in a determinist society. Like there's yeah. like there's you're you're punishing people for things that they can't they can't help. Uh, no, and this this is why people are having such a hard time grasping the concept of him yeah. not being able to step out of the way of that cannon. Mm-hmm. It's because it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels really fucking bad to us as right. human beings who want to, at, at the worst, pretend that we have some kind of free yeah. will. We want to believe our, our lives are like a novel that's unfolding as we're turning the pages instead of like it's a novel form that's yeah. already written with a beginning and end and we're just reading through it. And I've seen it explained like that. Okay, think of like a a, a movie, right? Like mm-hmm. you you play the movie of your life. You can watch it, but you can't change it. Mm-hmm. It's just the movie is what the movie is. Right. And whether you have seen the movie once, twice, 400 times, you knowing what's going to happen in that movie gives you no ability to change it whatsoever. Yeah. I don't like that because that's still an observer outside of the experience itself, mm-hmm. which Dr. Manhattan doesn't seem to be. Dr. Manhattan is part of the experience. Uh so he's both like the observer and the subject here mm-hmm. and that that analogy doesn't quite track for me because he could you know go and cut his own fucking film right and mm-hmm. and and splice it into the VHS and change the VHS tape or the DVD or whatever in in that weird uh analogy that I've constructed but mm-hmm. like it, it's it's something else beyond that there's also another like so be, above and beyond the stuff we've already talked about. There's also something uh, a, a novel kind of paradox that I think that they introduce into this, um, which is they sent information backwards through time, mm-hmm. which you know we were talking about last week with the kind of like I, I guess this this works in this universe because they do have tachyon particles that can travel faster than light mm-hmm. whereas tachyons are just a theoretical particle that like most scientists don't think actually exist in our universe yeah. so I guess maybe I, I've withdrawn that because like I was thinking like the idea that you created this paradox by Angela asking something that caught set like that, that that is a hard paradox and that shouldn't be able to happen because you shouldn't be able to send information backwards in time but yeah this is science fiction so never mind Okay. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. 
the thrills of King's Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Uh, well, we do have a chunk of feedback to to go. Uh, you can send feedback in for one more week to Watchmen at baldmove.com. And we're going to start off with Derek W. Are we to believe that the raining squid machine is an auto random timer? Adrian is in Europa while it rains in the first episode, right? Is this a plot hole or do you think it will be addressed? I mean, we talked about this kind of. It's probably yeah. something like that or it's Lady True picking up where he left off. That, yeah. that kind of Somebody thing. besides Adrian, I imagine it will be addressed because I don't think yeah. that after what Adrian, uh, Adrian said that the federal government had any intention or any interest in keeping this going. No. Nope. Um, or maybe they did like, maybe I don't know. Is, is there like, I don't know enough about the universe. So it was like, was there like a six month period after Adrian disappeared that like the squid storm stopped for a bit? And then the government's like, oh shit, we got to get this going. Like there's, it's possible. Yeah. Who knows? We'll, 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 we'll probably find out tomorrow. I'm sorry. We'll finally probably find out next week. Caitlin, I imagine most people are going to be speculating on who or how Dr. Manhattan's powers could be passed to someone, but did you get the impression they could be taken Whereas bar conversation with Angela felt explicitly like he could give them to someone, but he made a point about not giving them without consent. I'm not a watchman expert, so I may be off, but my impression is of uh, Dr. Manhattan uh, that he's sort of a tragic figure in the fact that he can't or won't stop a tragedy he knows is going to happen. He doesn't strike me as a type that would give his powers to someone so they could save him. Do you have self-preservation instincts when you know what's going to happen to you? And if you're constantly being torn apart mm-hmm. because you're simultaneously in all points at time, wouldn't you also be constantly being destroyed by whatever the Seventh Cavalry is doing? He rebuilds himself after being destroyed in the chambers, so he's not rebuilding himself after being destroyed in whatever we are about to see. Does he simultaneously experience his own death while he is alive? Well, we don't know that there's nothing beyond his, of his life beyond being destroyed this time, right? Yes. It, he doesn't say anything about it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah, and also it's, I, I was trying to think of alternate ways you can interpret tragedy like the relationship ending in tragedy if he in fact doesn't die. Yeah. Um maybe she dies. Um Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I but it it, it 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 I I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> They're don't, all good questions. Cuz yeah, how do you kill Dr. Manhattan? That's what I keep yeah. coming back to and like you said with the sci-fi gun and that feels wrong to me, but we'll we'll see. Jason says Man, what an outstanding episode. This laid so much groundwork while also being spectacular in its own right. Are we leading up to a very complicated ending where the 7th Cavalry aren't as bad as we're led to believe? In episode 6, we get Judd's confession by Will's flashlight machine that the robe was just his granddad's and that's why he was keeping it. It got me thinking about what we've seen the 7th Cavalry actually do. They open up the show by shooting the police officer but not killing him. Uh, we have them defending themselves against cops coming to their hideout. We've got them attempting to kidnap someone we know was not actually in danger and was working with them the whole time. Is it possible we are missing something? Much of this show has been leaning on empathy and not understanding other people's struggles. Does this go for the seventh cavalry as well? By the way, I'm a black guy living in America, so I'm not trying to be one of these secret white supremacist assholes crying about how hard it is to be white in America, but more so the walking a mile in some other person's shoes. I mean, it's pretty easy to look at the stuff Keen says and go, mm-hmm. that's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Judd, man, it's really fucking hard to justify Judd's actions in my mind. The, uh, I mean, I, I, I but like, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Jason, that this could be some kind of Obi Kano- one Kenobi certain point of view bullshit where it's like, you know, these guys are playing a role that's in the greater good to bring some kind of something, something in the same I way that the so. squid was like yeah. an evil act. But if it's saved off, like I, I could see that. But like, I think if anything, they're patsies. Yes. Uh, for Lady True's plan. There you go. Because I was going to say like. There's nothing that can make me think that, like, the rank and file seven cavalry are like yeah. good people the way I would understand those words. Like, they could have, I mean, you know, I ha- can have pity for like poor, ignorant people that don't see a way out of society, like kicking against the goads and trying to take the system down and doing all that kind of like, I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's not easy to be poor and white in this country. Um, absolutely. But like, yeah, what you said about them being patsies, like, I, I, I don't think that they're like consciously working towards something good. Yeah. They might accidentally be working that they might be manipulated into doing something that's in the greater good, but I don't think that's what's in their heart. If, if, if we're, if that even matters. Yeah. Pierre. I want to point out a few threads that have been tied together by this latest episode. I've been working on an idea lately, and I want to throw it out here to see what you think. Lindelof discussed the season's relationship with the original material a while back using the following quote. They will, however, be remixed because the baselines and those familiar tracks are just too good, and we'd be fools not to sample them. Those original 12 issues are our Old Testament. When the New Testament came along, it did not erase what came before it. Obviously, Dr. Manhattan is the Christ of Lindelof's New Testament. He is a portion of God that was brought down to humanity's level. He walks among us and is able to sacrifice himself to save other humans, seemingly. Also, if high school literature class has taught me anything, it's that head wounds automatically make people Christ figures. Ha ha. Is it head wounds? I guess like he did have the crown of thorns. Hmm. I, I, it's usually hand and like side wounds, but yeah, yeah he did He did have the, the, the crown of thorns. Foot wounds, too. Uh, the most interesting part of this parallel comes when John is telling Angela that he could distill some of his divine essence into organic matter that could be consumed, bestowing gifts upon recipient. Is this not a metaphor for communion? Sure. I have the feeling that John will die for the sins of mankind, and in the process, he won't just turn Keen into superhuman. He will cause all of humanity to ascend at least somewhat. I think he will use the world clock in some way to distribute his understanding of time in the universe to all of humanity, elevating them. Holy shit. <laughs> Well, how do you get to that ending that, of a television that, show? That would end storytelling. If all human humanity was Doctor Manhattan's, like you don't, there's no more yeah. season. There's no more seasons of Watchmen. No, unless it's a temporary effect. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, or like I said, like uh, is is Doctor like we we talked about this on the Instant Podcast. Like, is Doctor Manhattan as a person? Is is that the is, is the way Doctor Manhattan is inevitable result of being Doctor Manhattan, or is this Doctor Manhattan seen through the prism of John Osterman? And if you mm-hmm. had a John King Manhattan, he would be a racist prick version of Doctor Manhattan. And you know, if you had an Ozymandias Doctor Manhattan, would he just be this preening, self righteous prick type of like I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's at least tinged with who John used to be. Sure. Um, because the, the you look at the things he goes and does, like creating life, he had these experiences in his childhood that sort of led him down that path, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Moving on to Alex. Dr. Manhattan is going to be transported back to the 7th Cavalry headquarters to be killed, and we know Lori is currently being held hostage there. I can imagine some sort of meeting between the two. My question is, do you think that Dr. M truly loved Lori like he does Angela? This past episode seemed to me like Dr. M experienced love for the first time since becoming Dr. M for Angela. Will this cause conflict for An- Angela slash Lori and Dr. M? If he had to choose which one to save, who would it be? Uh, I didn't even know how to speculate on that. Is the first time he experienced you love? Know, I think Dr. Manhattan certainly loved Lori. Um, mm-hmm. As he explained to her, like when he she rejected him he left the planet in in a reaction of sorrow and loss um so i think he loves lori and it's like also you can kind of see that like maybe he didn't love lori until he realized the truth about her thermodynamic miracle but that just means he always loved lori mm-hmm. um also i think lori was 15 or 16 at the time that they began their relationship which is fucking complicated yeah for a god but you know um who's gonna hold him accountable (laughs) yeah right right what's the law consent between a deity and a teenager probably not 15 or 16 but you know what's time it's a flat circle so that's i I, you know i'd she she will be 35 and therefore i'm a seven year old when i'm fucking her i'm a seven year old boy just fleeing the nazis from germany when i'm i'm also i'm also (laughs) being torn apart by tachyon cannon etc etc i'm just saying what he would say in court yep and it would be just as gross when he said it yep yep (laughs) but again who's going to hold him accountable uh so i don't even know how to begin to answer the question of who he would save in some kind of conflict between Angela and Lori? No, yeah, I, I really don't. Yeah, so, um, John, I often get into arguments with people about so-called paradox. I'll tell you what, I have an opinion on who he should save. It's Angela because Angela's got kids. Okay, Lori chose not to have kids, and that's a choice she made. So there's no one depending on her. So yeah, she she should choose Angela. John, she's got she, your, your kids riding on this. Come on now. Oh, John. that that reminds me of something. Uh-huh. Final scene, uh, the postcard sequence. Ozzy says he has eight million children at home. Eight? Did he say million? It says million. In the subtitles, I looked at it. It says million. What the fuck? I assume is he that was, a typo? He was rounding up to billion. Me too. But has to be. The subtitle differs. Well, as HBO subtitles have not mm-hmm. been a hundred percent on point. Yeah. So I'm going to say no. I okay. want to say they just, uh, J- Jeremy Irons slurred a little bit or he misspoke. And yeah, because there's not 7 million people on earth. Maybe there are 8 million 7K and he's somehow the father of oh the 7K. Oh my right? God. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That's a lot of Rorschach masks. <laughs> uh, John with an H. This is an action omniscient being. Uh, I often get into arguments with people about so-called paradoxes that think they exist in time travel movies and shows. People assume that an event from the future that is an initial cause of an event from the past and that event has to happen to create the future that created that initial event without which the future doesn't exist and therefore cannot create the event that creates the event in the past and therefore doesn't happen is some flaw or paradox or plot hole and it never is. Since Einstein, we've known that there is no scientific reason why time flows in one direction, why events flow from cause to effect rather than reverse. Time as we understand it, as we experience it, as humans, is an illusion. If time is an illusion, what is it? How would you see it from outside the illusion? It's a dimension. 
Then there is the multiverse theory, one of them anyway, which I'm sure you're familiar with. This suggests that in every moment in all possibilities, uh, or all in every moment, all possibilities exist until the moment actually happens in time. The wave collapses into a particle, and when that happens, one timeline uh, happens, but that's just in your universe. The most of the multiverse theory suggests that every other possibility also happened, spawning new timelines elsewhere, new universes for every possibility that did not occur. One component of this isn't that isn't often discussed, though, is for that to happen, time would have to exist and not be an illusion. I guess I want to take your word for it, John. For these multiverses to spawn, they have to exist in a flowing time that forks off moment by moment in a direction towards the future. To someone outside of the illusion of time, though, there is no moment to moment. There's only the all time to see time as it really is or isn't. You'd have to see all the waveforms collapsed. Each timeless moment of possibility would collapse to a single particle that they did eventually become. The probability disappears because it's already happened in the all time. I don't know what that means. I don't know why time yeah. has to exist because it seems like it's entirely possible for the the universe to be an infinite uh, number of possibilities that then slowly collapse into a big bang. Like why it why can't that be the way world the world works? I don't know. Or the universe. I, I, I don't guess. know enough about quantum mechanics to um, even begin to approach that topic. So here's an interesting thing he introduced. He says there's split brain, br split brain experiments used to treat severe epilepsy where they sever the corpus callosum uh, that is a communication bridge in your brain between the two hemispheres that's shown an interesting side effect of how the brain delegates behaviors and cognition to separate regions. If they show your left eye, which talks through the right hemisphere of your brain a picture, your right hand can draw the image shown but the language center, which is in the right hemisphere, cannot see the image or describe it in any way. When you ask the left hemisphere to explain this behavior as to why you chose to draw this image, it then makes up a story explaining why. The way that the brain does stuff and then makes up a story of why it's done is mixed up in the paradox of free will, which we've already discussed. The brain's ability to explain events as the story is implicated in the free will experiments where they've shown with MRI machines that the brain activity that initiates an action begins before the person consciously chooses to make that action. In essence, we're doing actions and then afterwards explaining why we chose to do them. Our conscious experience of the world is the story we are telling ourselves. The problem with Dr. Manhattan is that he is both existing as a fourth dimensional being, but also as a time bound one. He's like the split brain experiment. One hemisphere is the God being outside of time and one is the man living within a timeline. You can ask him questions like, why didn't you kill the seventh K guy before he teleported you away? But that's asking the right hemisphere to explain why they drew the picture just then. You can make up a story to explain it, but what happened really was that a timeless being's experience is just disconnected from the time bound one or only partially connected or loosely connected. Uh, the capacity to explain it, not just in human language, but inside a human brain doesn't exist. Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of what I was getting at with the VHS, uh, you know, movie of your life kind of problem with that analogy. Uh, he's, got, he's got one last paragraph in him. There are parts of him available within his bigger conscious experience that still understand who he was before he became Dr. Manhattan, so he wants love and companionship, but he's also aware of the infinite that uh, that removes meaning from those things. There's part of him still connected to the human man, but he wasn't because he wasn't born a god. However, he's not just a man either. The man version of him can experience all the points at time at once, but can't change them. Uh, he fell in love with Angela over 10 years of living with her while also not remembering that period at all. He always loved her, but he also just met her. 
He's both just becoming Dr. Manhattan while also having always been him. There's a possibility for anything to happen, but also everything has already happened and there's nothing you can do to change it. He has free will in the same sense that we all do. That is, we don't, but we tell ourselves a story of how we do, and that story is vital for us to believe. Interestingly, studies have shown that people who have been convinced that they don't have free will are much more likely to do antisocial things. We may actually need the lie to function. So, no, they can't be. They can't be inherently more likely to. They're just. That's how it always was going to be, right? They were always going. That, see, this to is, come to those if, conclusions. If that study is always... true, then that blows up the concept of determinism because right. information changed a person's behavior. Right, which should then inform that person that, in fact, oh, you can have an effect on the outcome of this right. thing and therefore nullify the results of the test altogether. Like, yeah, it, 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 that test doesn't work, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. I'm not a scientist. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I just like I like thinking about this as much as the next person, but my brain's really hurting right now. We we had lots and lots of people's takes about free will because it's an inherently fascinating concept. Unfortunately, we've been going at this for several hours, and uh, I I don't think we're going to solve the the nature of free will, determinism versus not. Uh, I don't know. Maybe one more hour. One more hour, and we get yeah. it. We, we'd solve one of the. I feel like we're really making progress. Really, and then we can move on to like uh, a working theory of consciousness. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just another hour. All in a day's work. And we'll we'll be we'll be good to go. Uh, what I am very certain of is there will be a final episode of Watchmen that will either make all this make sense or flip over the table completely. Uh, it's it's Schrodinger's Lindelof, and we'll un we'll open that box together on Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll be here with the Instant Take podcast uh, and the Instant Talk podcast. If you're a club member uh, and you want to interact with us about this finale episode, please send your feedback to Watchmen at BaldMove.com if you've got it. And we'll be back next week for the Instant Talk, Instant Take on Sunday night, and then the full recap podcast as always on Tuesday. Until then. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you later.